0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Passionate Purdue Podcast. Today I am speaking with Michael Sasser. Michael is someone that I can honestly say I owe a lot of my success to. We have conversations sometimes weekly, sometimes daily. Sometimes we go months without speaking, but every time we talk, I walk away feeling inspired and ready to tackle my next project. Michael is a boudoir photographer. He's based in Venice, California. He previously lived in Denver and something really special about Michael is he knows what it's like to have to break into a new market, especially a very difficult and saturated market like LA. He's also had other adventures in business, including a yoga pants company, senior portraits, sports portraits. So he knows a lot about switching up and and trying new things. More recently, he's been growing his YouTube channel. Even in the last few days, he's seen a huge jump in subscribers. He's almost to his first 10,000 subscribers, uh, which is just huge and I'm so proud of him. And without further delay, here's Michael Sasser. All right, everyone. So today I'm talking to Michael Sasser of Sasser Stills Boudoir. Uh, Michael's a good friend of mine. We connected in the photography industry a long time ago. Um, I think I met you on a road trip when you were still living in Denver. That's right.
1: That is uh, is right. At our mutual friend's party.
0: It's just so random how things like that happen. It is true. Yeah. uh, It was... uh, a networking event it wasn't um any kind of instance where you'd think you'd meet someone who ends up being one of your best friends but here we are however many years later
1: <laughs> i know and it's you know it kind of started as um you know you were saying you were a wedding uh wedding photographer down there and i do some wedding video we threw up one of my videos and uh and then That's right. you sent me a referral to go shoot down in florida
0: um, That's right I, I completely I, forgot I, about
1: that I booked that wedding,
0: uh which was amazing. I was like, this is a guy I gotta keep around <laughs> I think I was immediately intimidated by you and then I was like i gotta I gotta flex a little so <laughs> some work. no no but you've um since I met you you've done a lot of different things you you did wedding video you did wedding stills um and you also have done... Little ventures in a yoga pants company. You're now doing boudoir as your main, your main photography and your main source of income. So you you're not like you're not just one kind of photographer or one kind of entrepreneur. You're sort of not all over the place, but a little bit a little bit more diverse than most people. Yeah, I um I
1: I think I contribute that to just me being kind of a curious person. Right. Um, it goes back. I mean. Uh, I can remember when I was seven years old and we went skiing for the first time as a family, and uh, it wasn't one day I was out on the slopes when I saw somebody snowboarding and I was like, I have to try that. <laughs> and so I uh, I snowboarded like the last two days of the trip and I loved it. And so you know, growing up, I did both of those, and then and then with music, I started playing drums and then saxophone and then guitar and then piano, and I've just always been. Really curious about, um, about different things. And I think it's. Um, right. You know, do, doing more than one thing can be extremely time consuming, but I think it can also be uh, really beneficial down the
0: road. You don't really know how, how much is going to help you. Right. So I, I think that's a really good point. I think that um, being a bit of a polymath or, or being interested in multiple subjects and not just interested, but actually participating ends up helping you across the board. Uh, And a lot of people don't realize that they think they have to be, um, instead of being a jack of all trades, master of none, they sort of try to go for just master of one thing. And, and um, they end up getting really good at that thing, but they may not necessarily find fulfillment or success because they're missing so many other parts of their, their selves that they didn't nourish. And I think, I think that's
1: uh yeah, I think that's true. And I think also uh, when somebody says like, okay, so if you're going to specialize in only photography, uh, or in only in wedding photography, that's fine. you can specialize in just wedding photography, but to be a successful wedding photographer, you must also understand some marketing and some branding, and you must right um, also be curious about you know a wide range of things to make it uh, to make it come together, even if on on paper, you know what you show is that you only do one thing
0: right. So I think it's clear that you think that your interest in many different subjects has um, you know led to your success in boudoir and, and sort of just everything you've you've tried I'm guessing uh
1: yeah i mean i think I, th- I think essentially i mean i mean i have a few examples of how just being curious about one thing led me to uh something else so right now the thing that i'm spending a lot of time growing is my youtube channel right but uh about 2 years ago i started following casey Neistat, this youtuber in new york and he was uh, every day he was daily vlogging he was one of the guys to You know, really, really make it so. And now he's got over 10 million subscribers, and he's a, you know, more or less a household name in the YouTuber industry. But I was like,
0: what if I tried that? (laughs) So so (laughs) so hold on. Before before you move on, and I want to hear the rest of it. This this is what this is why I'm talking to you, and this is why I think we're friends, and why I think you're interesting, because most people would see Casey Neistat and his example of what he's done. And simply, again, be a little bit put off and intimidated and say, well, that's, that's never going to happen to me, right? Um, I'm never going to reach that, so I'm not even going to try. So why do you think it is that your personality allows you to say, what if I did that? Well, I think the first, I
1: think specifically with the daily vlogging, it was me, you know, I think photography, when I look at it and somebody says, oh, I don't have as nice a camera as you. Or I, when I go on trips, I just use my phone, so it doesn't really count. I'm like, Photography is a memory aid. If nothing else, like the, like, essentially that it was captured is more than enough. Yeah. So I think when, when starting to vlog daily, I had imagined two years in the future going back to look at this video or five years in the future or showing this to my kids one day of like, look at what your dad, you know, you know, running around LA and with his terrible haircuts, you know, (laughs) is essentially kind of how I saw it. So it didn't, it didn't really need for me, it didn't really need to turn into something extravagant. Right. I just I just wanted to document. I wanted to a challenge myself and see if I could do it and B um and be, you know, look at it as I'm doing this for me and for the and for the future, kind of looking forward. So right. um I think I think a lot of people have looked at that. And said, "Oh my God, it's so much work." And it was. It was about an hour to an hour and a half of editing every night, um, which right. was a lot of time in front of the computer. Which is much easier when you're like a young single person. But <laughs> uh, I think that just but Casey Neistat's not a young single person. <laughs> he's not a young single person either. Uh, not either. He's not a young single person. And uh, but yeah, he had he had some different reasons that he wanted to do it. He wanted to become a better right. filmmaker, and he wanted to challenge himself in that way. He wasn't creating enough. You know, he was more focused on the end result and not the doing, and so he wanted to force himself for the doing, right? Which I think is also really amazing. And so for me, you know, now I spent I did like around 100 days in a row of that of putting up a video every single night, um, was uh, was madness. But now that I'm starting my YouTube channel and I'm actually putting out content about once a week, uh, it has made that process a million times easier. Right, like Like as I did it. Like anything, I did it two years ago i didn't wait until I had the perfect you know scenario oh now i'm going to share more of my knowledge, so now i'm going to learn how to shoot and edit quickly
0: right you didn't have the expectation of it being some kind of a perfect finished product with a with a specific goal when you started exactly. It was just something that I was interested in and curious, wanted to
1: challenge myself, and kind of thought about it for this reason and now those skills have totally translated um. To this part of my bit, not my personal life, but my business life that's helping me, you know, in so many ways. And so I think that's, you know, when we talk about being curious or doing something before you have to, uh, right. you know, just kind of immersing yourself and learning, knowing that it's going to pay off down the road, you could have no idea. Um, and then the second thing that I'll, I'll mention is um, the yoga pants is like a great example of something my buddy, uh, our mutual friend Mario, uh, he and I started together and we just wanted to create something cool let's see if we can make an online product let's source something from China let's what is that what is that like we've got a little downtime in winter right let's create a brand what's it like to create a brand that we don't you know necessarily wouldn't use every day and that has helped me brand my photography business and I went to um, I went to Hawaii to build a photography brand out there for a, for a short um, for a trip. You know, can I make this uh, photography website? Can I make this boudoir website in Hawaii? And it was a thousand times easier because I had already essentially done that same thing, branding another company kind of out of
0: the blue. Um, the, these are the types of things that you, do, you don't necessarily see coming down the road. But now, after enough time and after having been curious about enough things, I feel like now you you can see the potential reward in trying something new, even if it doesn't end up uh, helping you in in a new industry or a new project, um, you sound like a real optimist. Like, I'm going to try this. It'll be fun. Worst case scenario, I have documented some cool videos I can show my kids. Best case scenario, this is going to help me um, in another aspect of my life.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would would call myself an optimist and a pretty positive person. Now, I definitely have my roadblocks, (laughs) just like everybody else. I actually just changed my um, background on my phone. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> cheesy.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> uh,
1: some people are quote people. Are you a quote person?
0: I, I, every now and again, I'm a quote person, but I would say I'm not as much of a quote person as you are.
1: Yeah, I just, um, you know, I use quotes to sort of try and like, I'm trying to think of the word, to, um, to overwrite my system that says, you know, things are a certain way. It's or sort of like challenge my thinking. It's not necessarily, oh, I really needed to hear that today. I feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. It's like calling out the thing that
0: gets in our way. Right. If you have a habit or a way of thinking and the way your your brain is wired, how are you going to rewire it so it's, it's improved? And That's right. That with how do you, what do you hear?
1: What does somebody say that makes you sort of like wake up? Mm -hmm. and say like oh I've been thinking about it this way for a long time and there's really no logical reason for me to be doing that really this is this is the way so I watched uh the movie A Wrinkle
0: in Time (laughs) that's right I saw your probably not no but I saw your um I saw your Instagram story about it and I have to say I was pretty uh tickled I was giggling about uh how enthusiastic you were about it so i love it <laughs> yeah
1: every every once in a while i'll have this thing that just like hits me like a ton of bricks and in, the, in this movie essentially uh it's i wouldn't recommend seeing it uh except for like this one part of the movie <laughs> okay <laughs> i thought it was so good but basically there's a there's a little girl who's uh, going through a hard time and so she's she's uh Saying no to a lot of things, she's not doing well in school. She's not very uh, open to meeting new people. There's a challenge put in front of her, and she's saying, "I can't do it." And um, and so the wise, the wise woman in the um, in the movie just looks at her and says, "No, no, no. It's Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> That's right. It's Zach <laughs> Galifianakis who says it. And and here's what he says. He says, you can do it. You're just choosing not to.'"
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And so. I put that in my phone because I have a lot of um, all kinds of things that I want to do, and I put all these roadblocks in the way of why it wouldn't work for me or my situation right and the truth is is that I can do it mm-hmm. you know, I've just made the choice to to make these things a big deal right and so I think that we often think of ourselves as um, oh, I need to send an email to that planner. I need to update my whatever but that's the challenge. I think I think we see that as like that's what we're choosing to do. We're choosing to sit down, we're
0: choosing to work on our business, right? Yeah, that's but something this... that you helped me with. I I have the same issue with with all sorts of new projects that I mean, how many times have we been on the phone and I'll say, "Yeah, I'm going to do that hopefully this Wednesday." And then I I don't do it and I I've had to like come up with my own habits and my own um, triggers to help me rewire my brain and uh, and get my new projects going. Um, so what is it for you? So part of it is is talking to people like you like I have my uh, I don't know how often we talk it sometimes we go quite a while without talking sometimes we talk like five times a week but yeah um, talking talking to you helps because sometimes just uh, hearing it from someone else just hearing maybe from someone else saying well why haven't you? You know, you're like looking for permission, looking for permission or, or, um, part of it is just sort of a, if you, it's almost like you're calling me out, like, well, why haven't you, um, or, or, um, being inspired by the fact that seeing you do it, like seeing you doing what you've done with YouTube has let me know that, okay, well, I, I literally saw the whole process. It's one thing to see Casey Neistat and, um, you know, look at the years and years and and be very separated from him personally, but I know you personally and I, I know, um, you know, your process because we talk about it. And so it takes the mystery away and it takes the, um, it takes the daunting task away for, for me anyway. So, um, I know not everybody has like a confidant or like a, a, a person to call and and get that info from, but hopefully that's what, you know, this conversation that shed light on is that, um, it's almost like that's not to, to bring up quotes again. It's almost like that Steve jobs quote where he says, you know, everything you see around you was, was accomplished and done by people who are really not really much smarter than you, um, and, and all you have to do is, is just do it. Um, and yeah. so and go ahead. I think,
1: I think that you make, um, I think that you made a good point that not everybody has, has somebody to bounce ideas off of. I was just chatting with my friend, uh, Danielle this morning about, mm-hmm. uh, we were just kind of setting goals for the week. she's a photographer in DC and we met a couple of years ago, but we've, we've been that for each other as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm working on this new, um, Releasing a new piece of one of my courses. And I, I saw this other photographer just like, amazing sales page. And I messaged her and I was just like, I was just crushing on your sales page and I just, man, it's so good. And I just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> she wrote me back. She was like, oh my God, I bought one of your courses and I, I love what you do and I'd love to get on the phone. And, and we had another chance to have a chat. And I think what Danielle Pointed out to me that I didn't realize happens uh, with people. She's like, you just ask. Right. She's like, whenever you have a question or there's somebody out there that you have a you have a question for, you just message them. You just put yourself out there. And she has often felt like she doesn't want to ask because she's afraid it might show her as being uh, not as uh, not as smart or not as successful. Right. Or and I didn't realize that, that was. I'm not sure if I've really had that in this specific area of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that people, um, I didn't realize that that was just, just something that uh, this is a great example, you know, with you, I feel like I could just ask you anything or the next person or somebody posts or whatever, shoot a message. Hey, I just love what you're doing. I just had to say, so Um, I've been really inspired or whatever. And I think you'd be surprised at how many people are excited to talk with other people who think similarly as them or, are working towards similar things as them. It kind of goes back to that being curious and just, yep. you know, I don't know, this person may not message me back, but, yeah. um, you know.
0: It's it's completely true. It's, it's actually really funny that you've brought up curious so many times because in the intro to this podcast, I, I basically talk about how, um, here, I'm going to let those uh, sirens go by. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One thing I hate about LA. <laughs> yeah. Right, so I recorded the intro to this podcast and, Um, I talked about how I, I think that the one characteristic I find among people who are not only successful, but fulfilled in what they do and and all the aspects of what they do is passion. And I think that the thing that goes hand in hand with passion, like you can't really be a passionate person without being curious, right? And, um, yeah, curiosity is one of those things that, um, is, is the gateway to allowing you to be someone who can just ask, like you just ask, right? Most people don't. Um, and if they have that curiosity, but they're still too shy to ask, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I, I, I was talking to um, another friend of mine, Courtney recently, and she seems to be someone who's sort of hardwired uh, to be a little bit more bold and ask and, and not be afraid of those things. But I was not like that growing up. I was, I had to learn these habits and I'm, I'm not sure if you had to learn those habits or, or what, um, brought you to be someone who is okay with uh, just um, asking someone uh, or t- telling someone what you admire about their work or asking someone how they did something or uh, a reaching out. But, but I, I had to really, really make um, an effort to become that over the years. Do you, have you always been that way or did you have to sort of grow?
1: I don't, I don't think I'm trying to think, <laughs> but um <laughs> there are i think in the more formal sense like i've taken workshops and even at the workshops i've had like i don't often take workshops and when i do it's of somebody that i'm like really really admire right and that makes it and that makes it more difficult for me to ask questions even though i'm paying to be there and i'm like you're here because the whole point is for you to teach me but but in that that very specific situation where they're you know essentially on this pedestal and i'm And uh, that can be very intimidating because it it sort of feels like an unequal uh, stage.
0: Asking seems like it has a bigger consequence, perhaps.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. And so, but but outside of that, I don't as much. My friend, um, I've got a friend who works in the news industry. And uh, she said she was having trouble with something. And I said, isn't there just like an editor there that can help you with it? And she's like, well... I don't want to ask for help because then it looks like I don't know how to do my job. And if I and if it looks like I don't know how to do my job, then it'll make it more difficult for me to yeah. grow in the company. Yeah. And I thought that was such a very sad, sad scenario. Yeah. I mean the the only reason and here and here's the thing, kind of like that Steve Jobs quote, when people go, wow, you're so knowledgeable, you know, thank you. I I essentially everything I'm telling you I learned from somebody else. Right. Right. Like I am not I have not um you know over the over the years I've learned some things and I've tried some things myself but it's just a culmination of just like the last person who did it right that I
0: connected with right we're lucky to have this incredibly well documented history of other people's successes and failures to learn from that's right and because and because I have asked I can then share I can then right. share more right so something something that we're talking about here something that it sounds like we're both we've come to be pretty good at is not feeling embarrassed to ask or to try something new and and look as if we don't already know the thing we're asking which is kind of a obviously like a paradox like obviously you wouldn't be asking if you already knew right and so i think this is very much something that plays into most people's lives where uh, they're afraid to try something new or ask a question because they don't want other people to judge them, right? Um, and letting go of that part of your ego is an incredibly powerful thing to do. I remember when I first started uh, t- taking tennis lessons, uh, for all you listeners, Michael is very, very good at tennis. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm not. However, uh, because I think that in the rest of my life, I've sort of gotten over this part of my ego of being uh, worried about the judgment of others i had no problem just uh one day picking up a racket going on the court uh hitting some balls around and then and then taking lessons and i remember one very specific instance where i was with my tennis coach and i was practicing my serve and i threw the ball up in the air and i you know i did my toss and i completely missed the ball and the ball hit me in the face <laughs> and uh i remember the, even though my I feel like i'm I'm pretty strong and I've let go of um you know the ego of of fear of judgment, I remember feeling a little twinge of like oh that was <laughs> that was pretty bad <laughs> but I was almost laughing at myself and and you know it's hilarious because my coach um who was not afraid to uh be uh critical and and, and honestly like really give it to me very plainly and not necessarily be super nice. She, without making any face whatsoever and without making any expression, said, you'd, you'd be amazed how many times that happens. You know, she was just complete, like that was not a problem for her at all. Um, if she thought I was being lazy or I didn't hustle enough or, um, you know, I, I I genuinely made some sort of error that I shouldn't have made, then she would give it to me pretty plainly and, and be pretty critical. But But little things that you know like that like me being a novice and and letting a ball hit me in the face people who actually know what they're doing are not going to judge you Um, they're usually very excited for you that you're trying this new thing and and they know what it's like because just like you said they've been there they remember when they first started learning
1: that's absolutely right if you ever if you guys ever want to get a laugh just look up the top 10 worst tennis shots in history or something (laughs) on youtube and you see these professional tennis players that are doing exactly that Right, like it's super right. rare, but it happens. Like it's it's kind of the human thing, um, and I think that um, kind of getting over that. Yeah, it's like how do you how do you get over that fear? I think there are a couple of ways, but the first thing I want to mention is um, I hate. So we'll we'll jump into this briefly. Marketing, I hate. I hate marketing. I hate uh, <laughs> advertising. I hate Facebook ads. I um, boudoir is really hard to market for on Facebook because they reject a lot of content. Right. Which is like you've come up with a system and you've come up with your thing to send and your perfect text and then they just they just won't they won't send it. You got to wait twenty four hours for the approval and then it comes back to client and Then the next day you got to work. It's just a huge pain. Um, so it's really discouraged me from doing that. And sometimes I've had some success. Sometimes I haven't had any success. But it makes me feel every time I think about doing a Facebook ad, I just think of like wasting time instead mm-hmm. of learning. I think uh, about I my focus is on uh, rejection, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was really trying to think about this. Uh, going out to play tennis, you know you're going to miss shots. I mean, like missing shots is is how you learn. Right. It's kind of the whole, the whole point. you're going to miss 50 percent, or you're going to miss 30 percent, you're going to miss 80 percent, or whatever it is, right. you go out there knowing I'm going to miss a bunch of shots. But for yeah. some reason that doesn't bother me or us, like right. people in general. But the idea of like putting something with your business out there, you may not get any money. you may not book a single person from your hundred dollars spent. Mm-hmm. you may not get any emails back from your sending your emails. You may not do any of those things. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just really hard to think about that as the learning process
0: and not have that reflect you as a person. Right, right. We, for some reason, so, some people have that problem with everything, whether it's going out to play tennis or or their business. Some people like you, you know, it's easier for you to go play tennis knowing you're going to miss some shots, but it's harder for you to tackle a Facebook ad. Um do you think there's anything? So for you, it, it sounds like it's just connecting those two dots that makes it a little easier to to try those things that you're afraid of wasting time on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think and, I think when I was like, I'm going, I'm am I missed so many tennis balls today, <laughs> but it didn't, <laughs> but it didn't bother me at all. Right? Why then does it bother me if an ad doesn't do very well? Why mm-hmm. then does it bother me if somebody doesn't respond to my email? Why then does it bother me? And I think, um, I think it's because it's much harder to separate, you know, if somebody doesn't respond to me, it must mean that w- what I have to offer isn't very good. Right. If uh, somebody yeah. doesn't, you know, those sort of things, then it must mean that my photography isn't good or my uh, you know, I don't have right. a lot to offer. or
0: The deeper you connect those failures to something personal about yourself, the, the harder it's going to be to, to try again. Exactly. I yeah. think
1: that's really the core of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's um I think when I think even in dating, if a guy asks for a girl's number and she says no, I think right. I think guys feel like this is an attack on my character. Maybe not an attack, but this is basically a representation of my value. Right. As a person. That's
0: exactly that's a really good way to put it. This this reflects my value. And it's and it's not true. It's mm-hmm.
1: it's just not true. But it's just right. so hard to convince yourself of that. So, mm-hmm. I I really believe that I believe people are like the people are the way that they are, and you have kind of have to hack your own system.
0: So, that's a, that's exactly right. I mean, I uh, as I said, I know that I've had to hack my own system with getting to where I'm at. I I, I think I've told you this before. When I was younger, um, I would play like rec basketball. I think I was like ten or eight or nine or ten, and um, I would get so frustrated and angry when the ref would make a bad call or wouldn't catch a foul or basically when things didn't go perfectly. Um, And I would really flip out. I had a horrible temper growing up and I remember, (laughs) which is hilarious to say now because most people are like, what? You're like so calm. Nothing bothers you. Um, And my dad, I think I was, I think I was literally like maybe 10 and my dad on the drive home told me. you know, he asked me why I'd get so angry and I said, because this isn't this, this. And he tried to like give me the, um, the very fatherly and G rated, uh, conversation about expectations and, and, uh, letting go of my ego. And then that wasn't working. And I, I think he literally told me, he said, you know, if, if you grow up like this and you, you find yourself surrounded by assholes, you know, every day, all day, they're not the assholes. You're the asshole. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, and my dad like never swore ever, uh, and so that really hit me. And I I genuinely think that was the moment that I started to to change. And it, it took years. I remember I remember even still having a temper through my tweens and my teens, and that that probably had a lot to do with just being a teenager. But but I had a much bigger temper than my my friends, and uh, I think that I re- <laughs> I think that I read a book. Oh, it was. This is hilarious because I didn't start playing tennis until very recently. But I read a book called The Tao of Tennis, and it and it talked about how babies learn to walk. And just like you were saying, like when you go play tennis, you're going to miss so many balls, or when you do a Facebook ad, you know that like it's very likely that you're going to get rejected. Um, or or for instance, a guy or a girl asking someone out for their number or out on a date, and and having the the odds be exact against them. But when a baby uh, learns to walk, all they do is fall. All they do is fall. Right. <laughs> and yet babies learn to walk incredibly quickly uh very well and without judgment because luckily for them they don't actually have the capacity to recognize judgment yet um and so you know babies learn to walk very quickly because they when they fall and they don't say to themselves crap like who saw that oh i'm so bad at this like why um they don't they don't even think about it so the the whole point of this book was to to learn tennis that way so when you miss a shot or you or you make a mistake, just simply focus on exactly what happened and then and then pick up the racket and do it again and, and try to correct. Um, That's right. It's not about, like, I should have made that shot. Yeah, it's like, what I happened? I should know by now. Right.
1: You know, I expect of myself, uh, mm-hmm. what does it mean about me as a tennis player that I can't, that I missed that shot? What is everybody else going to think? Are they not going to want to play? You know, all of those things, instead of just making a small change. Right. Oh, God, it's so real. <laughs>
0: I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, hold on. I want to uh, now that we've had our uh, now that we've had our conversation. This is this is a conversation I feel like you and I have like once a year, sometimes or whatever, and uh, and and it it helps us uh, remember where we're at in life. But I have some specific questions for you. Um, so you recently, like, really recently, got into YouTube, and uh, now you have how many subscribers? Uh, over the past
1: couple of days, uh, YouTube just started, whatever their algorithms are, um, started sharing uh, sharing my my videos more. I've gotten about fifteen hundred subscribers, new subscribers
0: in the last three days. I'm at like eighty, eighty seven hundred something. That's amazing. Um, that's amazing. Specifically, I think that, that's amazing um, for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is because I I remember watching a video with Casey Neistat where he talks about just getting to your first ten thousand. He, he felt like was probably the hardest 10 you know 10,000 to get i know um and then after that it's still hard but but it's a lot easier um so you're almost there so so that's that must feel pretty good
1: uh it feels and it feels incredible i mean uh you know the numbers you know the the numbers a number but i think what it i think what it represents is that people are enjoying the content enough to you know, want to see whatever, whatever is coming out next. But, but yes, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I started my YouTube channel forever ago. I think this is a good, uh, are you a Brene Brown fan? I'm
0: I'm not, but not that I know of. Uh,
1: she's really, she did the vulnerability. She's all about vulnerability. She introduced this, um, she did this Ted talk and it went viral and millions and millions of views. And, and so I, I saw that, but she, um, she said, that she got so many positive comments, but she got so many negative comments on uh, on YouTube, on emails, on on everything. It was just, just it was such a polarizing thing mm-hmm. that what ended up happening was um, she said she didn't think she was going to be able to write the next book, but she had so much momentum happening around her that she essentially didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. And so for me, i put I put together one actual educational video last December almost a year ago, and I kind of forgot about it. It was something that I was curious about, but I wasn't really sure. And I saw that the video got like 10,000 views and then 15,000 views and 20,000 views. And I was like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. I'm getting enough good from this video that that motivates me to make more. So I definitely needed positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. Um, for me to continue. I... I think I wanted to do it, but I wasn't willing to put the time and effort and like put myself out there without some sort of positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of momentum now, in the world of YouTube, like having fifteen thousand views on a video is like nothing it's It's not momentum at all, but to me, right. like that's what it felt like to me. so yeah, so I started you know when I did that, I had about fifteen hundred subscribers and I've gained you know, whatever, I'm going to be at, you know, maybe 10,000 over the, over my first year, which is, which was my pipe dream, essentially.
0: Right. Um, It's, it's interesting to hear you say, so uh, I totally understand what you mean by 15,000 views on a video, not, you know, being anything in the world of YouTube. But at the same time, um, just imagine 15,000 people standing in front of you in a stadium, uh, listening to you speak. Oh my God, that makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just think about that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's individual people on their phones or in, in their um, offices at work or at home watching you, but that is the beauty of YouTube. And, that, and, and if you think about that instead, like imagine when one of your videos has 50,000 views and, and what that means, imagine 50,000 people in a stadium listening to you speak. I know it's crazy. And I think that's the thing
1: about when I started, when I really started making this, you know, boudoir is such a specific industry. It's it's not like I'm going to reach a million subscribers or anything. It's just it's too niche. And and the million isn't isn't the goal. Getting a couple of messages from a few people that said like this really did increase my inquiries. This really did help me with uh, you know, one thing or another. I know that there are people watching that aren't commenting that are getting, you know, that value out of it. Right? and that is uh that's just exciting to me. And the other reason why it's really exciting to me is because uh when I put a new video out, I'm not asking anything from anybody. Right? It's it's purely it's purely give. Now, you know, I hope that they go to my website and they they purchase uh, you know, one of my courses if they right. if that's the avenue that they want to go down, mm-hmm. but it's it's separate, right? It's separate from um I booked a client and they only spent X amount. That means right. that my pictures weren't very good or I didn't give them a good experience or something. So it, it takes out that direct correlation between like value associated with, um, with your time or with your product or with that particular experience. Mm-hmm. And I love that about YouTube. Right. Um, that I can just put out a video about, about whatever topic.
0: And yeah, you, you get to, in a way you get to be the guru and the voice for someone who you don't even know much like you are for me, but you know, you and I know each other, but with YouTube, you can just give that exact same, you know, I don't want to be cheesy and call it, give that gift, but it, it, you know, it's, it's a gift. It's a tool. You're, you're giving a tool to someone, even if you don't know them. And, uh, and that, so, so it sounds to me like the reward is 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 in itself making the videos um alone and this this almost sounds like uh speaking of you being a quote guy when i fall- when I, I i watch you repost uh some quotes occasionally and one of them recently was be perf-, uh what is it be performance um centric centric and not an an outcome agnostic right oh it's the best it's that that really struck me like so much so so much um and i think that is Uh, That quote can cover so much of what we've just talked about in the past 40 minutes um, about letting go of your ego, right? Letting go of of whatever the outcome means to you personally, to your value, um, to whether or not it's going to gain you anything, right? Simply worry about what you're doing and and the performance you're doing. Um, That's right. You know whether, whether you think,
1: uh, w- well, I'm not at ten thousand subscribers, or I haven't made a hundred thousand dollars this year, or I've right. only booked thirty clients, or you know, I want to book a hundred. Whatever it is, when you're focusing so much on that, I'm not. I'm not talking about goal setting, but when you're focusing
0: on why am I not this,
1: right? You're not doing the things that will get you there.
0: Yeah. So then, what what has YouTube? taught you that you're that has surprised you what about YouTube um you know I, there may be many things there may be a couple of things but what what is the the biggest surprise about youtube that that you've learned over the past few months uh probably the two biggest things is the
1: value that I would get from getting random messages from people uh you know with thank yous the um, the
0: reward or the that like what it meant to you
1: yeah if somebody says um I'm trying to think of, of some of the, or some somebody posted today about one of my videos. He's like, this is great information, not just to do with photography, but with, with anything in life. Mm. I was like, that is just, I'm, I'm over the moon <laughs> that somebody felt that this, like, he's not a photographer, but he, he got something out of it anyways. Like, that is so cool to me. I've always been a connection person. Whenever I go somewhere new or I, I hop on Facebook, you know, who do I know that lives in this city? Does anybody know anybody I want to meet up? you know i've always been sort of like that so so this has been another uh, level of that the other thing that uh, surprised me was that as my as my channel's growing more people are more people are seeing it not searching for it they're being it's sort of being scattered mm-hmm. and so i'm getting a lot more like people who are upset at their keyboards and want to let me know they're upset <laughs> <laughs> you're getting negative reinforcement <laughs> i'm getting some negative reinforcement and i thought I thought that was going to hurt a lot more than it actually does. The most recent guy said um, uh, on my lens video, what's the best lens? And he was like, what's the best lens for boudoir? What a ridiculous statement. And I was like, that's not so bad. And he's like, you have a face for radio.
0: Oh, (laughs) Jesus.
1: And I was like, like, why is this guy attacking the way that I look on a free video that I'm giving to the world to help people's business? You know, he's attacking the way that I look. And so – I think with that I think it it makes you sad I, for the other people not for yourself. Exactly. And I think I think what it does is it um I'm going to be using that to make another video that says how do you deal with the haters, you know? <laughs> that that question is like um I'm scared to put my stuff out there cuz what if somebody says they don't like it or they say it's, you know, in my industry mm-hmm. um people who are more or less open about it or don't really understand it. They're like what you're doing is demeaning women and it's, you know, what if somebody sends you that message? Right. And for me, I think essentially my short answer to that video is going to be uh, when you look at the people's lives that you are impacting, you realize that that has so much more value than the few people that are going to be upset by the content that you put out.
0: In a way, this this goes back to your entire business and why you do Boudoir, right? Yeah. I mean, this, this is... A lot of women, I mean, you're empowering women with what you do, and a lot of women need that empowerment because of this exact thing, because there are just these people, um, whether they're anonymous or whether it's in person or whether it's specifically someone they know or a past relationship or just the um, image that society projects onto them and, and the judgment they feel from that, that's why a lot of people are doing boudoir. and uh, And so I guess it doesn't surprise me that you're able to look past those negative comments because this is precisely what you do uh i would say that i agree with that
1: in uh, youtube specifically i feel like i needed you know we were talking about that positive momentum if my first mm-hmm. three comments were people who said uh one guy i said like why i quit weddings to shoot boudoir was one of my videos and i give a little history and this guy i think he called me a
0: <laughs> i probably can't say it <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, i don't know what on, the deal how, how the distribution gets but if uh if i have to bleep it i will or whatever it is uh, I th- okay, so he said,
1: um, he said, you stupid fuck, you should quit YouTube, not weddings. Oh. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> really came out of nowhere. <laughs> it, just had, it just had no reason to do that. But if right. that was my first comment, and then my second comment was somebody who said, you have a face for radio, and then my third comment was something, you know. I think it would be much harder for me, because I didn't have the reinforcement. Right, and I think I think that's where people struggle when they're first starting. They don't yet have that reinforcement mm-hmm. that says what I'm doing is of quality, what I'm doing is going to be helping people, what I'm what I'm doing is um, you know has value. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest part when you get started and you you want to charge and you want to put yourself out there is that you don't you don't have that reinforcement that says you know I did this, especially women. They're you know it's reinforced that they need to look a certain way or it's reinforced that they're not pretty enough they don't fit into these standards or that uh you know they weren't pretty enough for their last boyfriend or that they um right. you know whatever it is and it just it's like hammered into them so they need a big experience to sort of like crack the crack what's been yep. uh
0: fortified for so long Right, and they need, so they need a push to get over the the mountain, over the the hill of uh, negativity that they that that they feel has been stacked in front of them, and uh, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, and and the and the irony of it is that the only way to do it is through positive experiences, through right. like getting out there and shooting, and through trying that thing and seeing that. Oh, oh my God! It it wasn't as scary as I thought. It. I can do this.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember I remember being in um <laughs> we're going to go way way left now. Um so I have a 9-month-old daughter and I remember when Laura and I were in Laura's my wife. Uh when we were in our birth class, we took a birthing class and um I felt um kind of like a jerk um only like I felt like that student who spoils the the lesson for the teacher a little bit. Um <laughs> but I she I think she liked it in the end. So she, um, you know, she asked everyone, um, are you scared and, and why are you scared? And what are you going to do if, if complications occur during the birth? And, you know, we went around the room and, and I said, you know, I'm not scared. I'm sure some form of complication will arise in some way or another, whether it's serious or not, but no matter what, you know. The, the baby basically has to get born. There's no way to <laughs> to stop that from happening, and uh, and she, and I could see on her face she was like, "Oh yeah, well that was what I was gonna say." And then, but so then she responded and said, "Well, how, wh- how what makes you feel this way? What makes you feel so so confident about it?" And um and I said there was a day uh, a while back, um, actually just after I met you, after I left uh, Colorado, and uh, we headed through California and up into Canada, and we. Uh, my friend Lou and I climbed a mountain and I I didn't really know what I was getting myself into Um, and (laughs) Lou just asked one of these Canadian guides like I want to I want to get a really good view I want to get up at a high altitude and and which which trail is the best and which mountain is the best and this this guide just was like oh this one (laughs) and and so we said okay and uh, we we started up the mountain uh 4 hours later <laughs> to make a to make a, a long story longer uh Lou looked at his altimeter that he per- we purposefully didn't look at because we said oh we don't want to like watch it as we go cuz it'll make it seem harder and 4 hours later we we got to a, a rocky part where the tree light ended we said okay we have to be we have to be really close right and uh, he looked at his altimeter and we we calculated that we were only halfway <laughs> And we were both (laughs) we were both so tired, like beyond tired. We couldn't breathe. It it was really, 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 really hard. And um and both and both of us said, you know, maybe we should stop here. This is this is too much. We're both really tired. Like if this is only halfway and we we were really expecting it to be the end. And we're only halfway. And literally both of us were like, Yeah, let's turn back, let's turn back. And then I don't know why, but at the same time, we both said, no, we got to keep going. <laughs> and so we did. And, you know, another four hours later, it was eight hours total. We got to the top and then and then all the way back down. And I And since then, there have been so many instances where I just think, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to do this. There's no way I'm going to finish this. There's no way this is possible. And then... It turns out that it is possible, and that we do do it. And so, now that's that's been one thing in my life where, when I think to myself, oh, "I don't think I can do this," I just have to slap myself across the face and say, "Of course you can! <laughs> like, of course you can! You know, you're not uh, you're not trying to go to the moon. You're not uh, you know, do, you're not doing something that hard. Other people have done it. Let's let's do this. Let's stop stop the excuses, stop the the judgment, and and just keep going." man that's amazing. I would have turned back for sure, yeah, I'm sure I, you know it's funny because right now, like I sound real uh um you know, I'm building myself up and I'm sounding very uh inspiring, but i I'm, I'm certain there are many more instances in my life where I did in fact turn around and stop, but we won't. <laughs> we're and also and also I'm sure having having him there helped you guys both go forward, okay, so this is this yes, it absolutely did, and this is this is the last thing. This is another question I wanted to uh, chat with you about, because I know we've talked about this in the past, and this is an incredibly interesting um, topic that I wanted to ask you about. And this this is related to that, having him there. Um, and then this this is the another variable that can highly affect everything we talked about previously in, in the uh, podcast, is that the idea of... I know it's not exactly the same thing with me and Lou hiking a mountain, but I want to talk to you about competition, right? So... So the, I think one of the reasons that having Lou there helped was not only because we we can we could push each other, but almost it 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 gives you a, a sense of competition. Like I can't quit. I don't want to be the quitter here. I don't want to be the one to quit. That that's that's one of the things that was going on in my mind. Like we're both going. We're both going. We're both going. He's not saying anything. I'm tired. I wonder if he's tired. I don't want to be the one to say I'm tired first and blah, blah, blah. That happens to me a lot. I'm a fairly competitive person. I would say I'm I'm a friendly competitive. Do you, do you find, like, how would you define yourself in the, the competition world? Oh, that's tough. When I was younger,
1: uh, it was, um, so I, too, got upset on the tennis court. I broke probably 10, 12, 15 tennis rackets when I was growing up. And uh, and uh, same thing nobody would nobody would assume that of me now just because of a positive. I changed my my way of thinking from like you know losing is bad to especially on the tennis court is it like it's a beautiful day, <laughs> it's right. a beautiful day playing tennis and how nice is that? With my business, so I'm not I'm I can get competitive, but I'm but I have I have control over it now, and I didn't used to have control over it, over right. it when I was younger. When we would play putt putt, I wouldn't keep score because if I lost, I knew it would ruin my
0: <laughs>
1: That's like and I think that speaks to a little bit of the uh of my self-control like even as a even as a kid I like knew myself uh, mm-hmm. a little in
0: in a few different areas. Now, okay, so so let me let me get more specific with you. Okay. Um a lot of a lot of people um I think a lot of their hang-ups. So say that they they've they've gotten into the industry, um they're experiencing success on a certain level and, and they have some forward momentum. I think the the biggest sort of, uh, you know, the first boss, if you say, like if you're talking about video game terms, one of the first bosses you run into in, in, a, in a business once you start getting some success is this um, ugly, ugly thing called competition, right? You start analyzing the competition, you start looking at other people who are in your industry, in your area, who are also vying for the same kind of clients as you and I think a lot of people get right. incredibly discouraged, and they get, um, they start again clinging onto their ego and comparing themselves to other people, right, uh, and and stuff like that. And so, so in your career, I mean, you've obviously done, you've done senior portraits, you've done weddings, you've done video, you do good work. Right. How do you, how have you dealt with the competition at all, or if at all?
1: Okay, um, perfect. So when I was in, um, so that mutual friend of ours, Mario. I I had a hang up that that said uh, I'm doing senior portraits. I'm only making $250 as a high school senior, and it's it's because I'm 24. Uh because right. I'm 24, 25. You know, that's um. And when when I get older, you know, they'll pay me more, but they're not going to pay some kid that's just a little bit older. I know I'm I know I can take good pictures, but that you know I'm okay with that.
0: Then mm-hmm.
1: I met Mario, and he was averaging like $2,000 per senior picture, and he was a year younger than I
0: <laughs> so, and i was
1: like what the heck and he was in, he was in denver you know and i so this was a perfect example i reached out to him and i was like dude your images are so good um i really love your uh i really love your work uh i see you're doing some you know you've got a behind the scenes video i'd love to come out and shoot one of those for you and so we ended up hitting it off and um he moved out to la i moved out to la we've been roommates for a couple of years and he's actually just getting back in town tonight but instead of looking at that as like I will never be that, I looked at that and said like What can I learn from this person? Right. Uh, so that's with Mario. Now moving to LA was different. So when I moved to LA, um, it's an incredibly difficult industry, and I decided I tried to make it in the wedding industry here, and it didn't really. I it was very difficult. I only shot one wedding out here, and I was growing my boudoir business, and I and at this time I was sort of disconnecting from weddings emotionally and and growing closer to boudoir emotionally. So I decided to give more of my attention to boudoir. Now, let's let's think about LA is the top, you know, as far as competition goes. I mean, when I moved here, the first two pages of Google, 20 websites, all had good photographers who had good branding
0: and good messages and good images. And right. I was like, oh my God. You didn't exactly um <laughs> some people <laughs> some people specifically moved to areas where there's a uh a need to serve the market <laughs> i think you definitely did the opposite you went to a very saturated market and uh and tried to throw your hat into the ring <laughs> that's uh that's right and i and that's actually one of the reasons why i didn't want to move to la because i was intimidated
1: that how am i ever going to compete i mean there are so many there's so many good photographers it doesn't matter how many good people there are portraits are different than weddings you know if you're booked on a wedding date you, mm-hmm. should, you send a referral to somebody if you're booked bu- if you're booked that date for you know, boudoir. You just say, "Are you free the next day?" Mm-hmm. So you just, you know, there's there there isn't that community. So what ended up happening was I got here. Um, I rebranded because my previous boudoir brand was essentially just a just my wedding logo with boudoir written under it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I did that. I took a look at my uh, my messages. I shot new images. I worked. I hired an SEO company. I mean. I put in work, and what ended up happening was it being such a saturated market, it being such a challenging place to start, actually improved my business significantly. Mm-hmm. I was able to give so much more. I learned so much more, you know, because I, I was kind of challenged. You know, I think people rise right. to raise the challenges. So that's so, yes, it, it was absolutely intimidating, but I was like, if I, if I want to be here,
0: you know, I can do better. Right. I, I remember you being fairly discouraged saying, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all these things. And, and these things used to work in Denver and now I'm trying new things. And I, I remember you know, hearing a bit of discouragement in your voice when, when we talked about it. It's not like you weren't booking, but you certainly weren't booking as quickly as you expected. And instead of being discouraged, I think, like you said, because there are people around and it was a different industry and the bar was set higher, you rose to the occasion and also just figured out this, the problem, right? Like, you didn't just say, okay, well, this problem isn't figure outable. This mountain, I'm I'm not gonna turn around. I'm halfway up the mountain, I'm gonna keep going. And uh and so this is something about you that I've l li- I've seen you do this in so many instances, but I think one of the simplest and most comical ones that I've ever seen you do this in. So we were in Austin, Texas. You were there for a boudoir, <laughs> you you were there for a boudoir uh workshop. And I was there for another reason. I can't actually remember why I was there, but um, I think I was photographing a wedding or something. And uh, we went out and we started playing foosball. And uh, I remember you were like, oh, i'm you know, I'm okay, I'm not that good. And then I, I, I happened to be really good at foosball because for years I worked at a camera shop that had a foosball table and when we didn't have customers, I would just play. And so I remember I hit the ball and I saw your face. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 looked at you looked at the the foosball table and you looked at me and your eyes went super wide and you were like, I could see I didn't you didn't even actually say anything I just saw your face go how are you doing that and I'm I'm gonna learn I'm gonna learn this right and so you went from being really bad and just like in a matter of minutes the focus and like the uh, you know like the, I could see you basically just like plugged into the matrix learning. And within a matter of minutes, you were, you were playing at my level. And I think that's something that, you know, obviously when you move to LA and you want to start a new brand and, and break into boudoir, it's obviously not going to happen in a matter of minutes or days or even months. It's taking you time. But, but I see you do this whenever you encounter a problem, a puzzle. Like you, you actually, I think, think in terms of puzzles. And then you just like work on the puzzle and work on the puzzle and work on the puzzle. And then eventually you finish the puzzle and then you, you find a harder puzzle. That's like the nicest thing <laughs> ever said to me. <laughs> I seriously that's that's like what when I look at your face even even like when we're together and and we're trying to figure out uh you know whatever it is what's the best way to um uh handle this gear send this information like I just see your brain working in terms of like it's a puzzle and let's solve this puzzle. Um but uh but yeah it's interesting and and so now you're I mean, enjoying huge success as a boudoir photographer in uh, in LA, right? Uh, yeah,
1: it's been this year was uh, was great. I did um, uh, my averages were higher. I booked more clients. I had to work less because uh, my my marketing essentially was um, was doing a lot of the work for me, uh, which was really amazing. And so the you know, it definitely isn't consistent. I think February I didn't I didn't have. You know, whatever it was, it was a a slow start to the year, and I ran this self-love sale Mm -hmm. um, to get uh, to get some people in the door. And then those, some of those clients ended up being like my favorite clients the whole year. And then that sort of led into the summer was really good. Um, Later this year has been more. uh, I haven't been booking as much, and I know I know part of the reason why, and I just haven't locked down to work on that yet because the rest of this year was as good as it was. Okay, right. And so I definitely, you know, I've got I'm working on my education stuff and I'm working on my YouTube stuff and I'm taking this downtime to focus on that right. until I start to approach that problem again. Um, but this this year was like far and above what I had imagined it would be when I moved out here. Yeah, nice. Um, which you know it, it is. When I first moved out here, it, it did it, it did take a long time. I remember. Uh, Mario when we were living together I, I talked to him, I was like, Man, I just don't know I just don't know what's going on. It's just everything's going really well and he's like, I know what's going on. You put in <laughs> so much work <laughs> to right. rebrand and to give your client experience and to and to everything and it's you know and it's paying off. And so And you
0: didn't let the the competition discourage you in a in a market that, you know, arguably there'd be no shame in letting that saturated market um, discourage you. Um, I, I think that I hear that, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from new people when I teach workshops or when I meet a new photographer, they'll say, I love the area, but there's just so many photographers. There's just so many photographers, so much competition. I feel like it's just too saturated. Um, and, uh, and I just have to, you know, remind them that there are some, some stupid number of weddings between Tampa and Miami every year, like more than anyone could ever book. Right. Um, now not necessarily. In your target demographic or in a price point, but but, but the work is out there. Um, and like you were saying, you know, you you rise into the occasion. I I find that when I see other photographers in the area who are newer coming in, into the to my market, I immediately think to myself, "Cool, what are they doing? What's new? Are they doing anything interesting?" Um, I always want to meet them. I always want to you know he- hear a perspective from someone who's who's uh, just getting into it because. I remember when I was at that stage, and I was very enthusiastic, and that's oftentimes when you, you have that original passion. And uh, I I learn so many things from those people. I I'm the first one to say, hey, do you want a second shoot for me? You know, and, and a lot of other people are saying, why are you letting them second shoot for you? They're going to get portfolio images, and they're going to learn, you know, do everything you do, and meet all these people. And I'm like, they're going to meet them anyway, you know. And if and if they're not going to meet them anyway, well, then when they do start booking a ton of weddings. And they get a call, and they're booked on that date. They'll send it to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Basically, I just—I instead of looking at the competition as some sort of thing to be intimidated by, I just <laughs> try to use it to my advantage. To be honest with you, I mean, part of it is just that I'm an outgoing person and I'm very optimistic. But part of it is that I've experienced that it usually helps me. Um, to, That's right. If you have it.
1: 10 experiences, yeah, if you look at it, you know, you have a second shooter that goes out and they brand the same way you do and they do all the same things you do. First of all, within the wedding industry, like people are going to know. Right. You know, they're like, oh, you're just a carbon copy of, you know, this other person. I'll just uh, favor the original. Right. But for every time that that happens, there's 10 scenarios where something positive comes from it. Exactly. Right. You know, you can't. Right. Uh, yeah, nobody can have that kind of control.
0: Yeah, and if you build a wall around yourself, um, this like invisible wall that you think is going to protect you from the competition, uh, all it's going to do is alienate you from from the industry, and uh, and also kind of put you in this defensive position. And I think that that sort of uh, ends up hurting you long term.
1: I think uh, I think it does. I think people, you know, the short term versus the long term—that's the part that's hard uh, to really look at. You say I don't want to give away these images. I don't want to do this, or I don't want to. They'll be taking advantage of me. You know, one one year down the road, two years down the road, you don't know when it's going to pay off. Right. And I think that's what uh, that's another thing. When I moved to LA, I just I just didn't know when things were going to pay off, and that was really scary. <laughs> um, right. To feel like maybe I, you know, wh- is it going to work? I I know it's going to work. Is it going to be a year from now? Is it going to be two years from now? You know, yep, yep. and I think that, uh, yeah, when you when you try and control that situation, you may win in the short term, but there's you just you just can't win in the long term.
0: Yeah. All right, Mike, we're on the hour mark, and uh I'm sure that my wife is somewhere in the yard wondering where I am, and uh, and I'm sure you have to go do something. So. <laughs> I can, do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks so much for talking, man. I love talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you every day of the weekend. It would be rewarding so thanks for doing this hours and hours and i and i want to say that um you know
1: you as well you know for every phone call that we have you have a way of explaining things that that makes things seem not as not as hard as they are and i've always really really appreciated that um and i'm excited you're gonna you know be continuing with this podcast i think you've got such a unique look into not just wedding photography but just you know people and and how to um how to keep moving forward when you feel like you you can't. And so uh, I'm excited to continue to listen along. Thanks,
0: man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I have feelings mutual. Um, do you want to, where can people find you? What are your, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, so
1: my Instagram handle is uh, my last name, Sasser, S-A-S-S-E-R. Uh, and then stills as in a still photograph and then boudoir. But if you just type in my last name, there's not a whole lot of Sassers. <laughs> on instagram and then um for youtube it's just my full name michael sasser just youtube.com slash michael sasser those are really the the two spots if you guys want to you know hang out or shoot me a message or those are the places to do it
0: the youtube videos are uh pure entertainment even if you're not a boudoir photographer and if you are a boudoir photographer you should definitely look into them uh well, Well, thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) Adios. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon.